Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Good to see you all today. All of Harderweg is here across the parking lot. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. Uh, if you're not familiar, my name's Drew. I do the music here at Watershed with this great team. Uh, these people are awesome. Yeah, so um, you all made it to the new year. It's 2023. How crazy is that? I feel like it's still 2019 or something. 
or <laughs> still 2020. I'm stuck in some weird time warp. But I love this time of year. I love this time of year. Maybe it's just because I'm finally done with Christmas music and I can breathe a little bit. Um, but New Year's, it's this time when I kind of am able to look back and see like what, what all happened in this year? What all went on? What, what were all the highlights, the good things that happened? Yesterday I was going through some photos on my computer with my wife and we were seeing some of the travels that we did and I said, I, I forgot how beautiful some of the places we've seen were. And it's so good to remember, right? To remember where we've been, to remember how God has worked in our, in our year and in our lives. And it's also a time for me where I go, all right, what's this year got in store like? I gotta make some goals, maybe some resolutions, uh, maybe, you know, what am I going to try to accomplish? And it's, it's an exciting time because for me, it's like I get, I get to look forward to something. I get to be hopeful towards something. And there's something in the Bible, I think, for us there. Um, this time of year reminds me of a passage that comes out of the prophet Isaiah. And it says this in Isaiah 43. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I always think of this passage around New Year's. God can do new things. God can make new ways. He can make streams in desert places. And so I'm always like, what does, maybe what does God want to do in my heart and in my life this year? So one of the, my goals is always like, be attentive to what God might want to be up to in my life. And maybe that's true for you today, that you're going, I want this to be a year where I seek God. I want this to be a year where I feel close to him. I want this to be a year where I know his word. I want this to be a year where where I follow his ways. Um, I hope that's, that's true for all of us to some degree. So welcome. Um, we get to worship today. We get to worship our king. And we know from the Advent season that he's come once and he's coming again. There's a lot of, a lot of hope we can hang our hat on. Amen? So uh, stand up. Just greet some people around you. If you need a question to ask them, ask them what kind of goals they have for this upcoming year. What are they looking forward to? so good to be God's gathered people, amen, to be able to get around people, share our lives, and we're going to worship together now, so we just invite you to just draw your hearts, draw your minds to Christ today. We're going to lift up praises to him.
declared the great has no claim on me. Then came the morning, then came the morning, it sealed the in rain 
King of Kings. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus. Lord, on this first day of 2023, Lord, we reflect and we praise you, Lord, for you are good and you are faithful. Lord, as, as Drew brought our hearts to the words of the prophet Isaiah, who speaks of, of water springing up from the desert, from the dry, cracked earth. Lord, it brings to mind many of our experiences this past year. For many of us, Lord, this past year has been a, a year that has felt like a dry, parched desert. We've experienced loss. We've experienced uncertainty, we've experienced so many different things that have, that have made our hearts heavy and our bodies weak. And Lord, we acknowledge that and we bring that with us into this new year, Lord, but we bring it with hope because as the prophet says, Lord, Lord, you are the one who can cause water, new life to spring out of the dry ground. And for some of us, Lord, this past year has been a year filled with blessing and life and hope that springs. And Lord, we bring that into this space of worship as a community, as three worshiping communities, one church, Hardaway Church, Lord, we, we bring that all into this space because, God, you are a God who is almighty, who is powerful, whose arms are open wide, welcoming your people into your presence. Lord, we thank you for this reality. Lord, we thank you for the reality of the gospel. Lord, the promise earlier that the prophet says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, they will not, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Lord, this is the good news. That no, no matter what we face this past year, no matter what we will face this coming year, the promise of the gospel is that our God walks with us every step of the way. And so, Lord, remind us of that truth this morning as we lean into your word, as we, we look at the vision that you gave St. John in the book of Revelation, this vision of the kingdom that is to come. Lord, may our hearts be filled with hope and anticipation, and love. We pray all this in the name of our holy God. God's people say together, amen and amen. Good morning. Good morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor JB. I am 
uh, the pastor at, that meets on the other side of the park a lot, Fusion. And uh, it is a beautiful thing. We all three worshiping communities here in one space. We made the journey, as Drew said, across the parking lot. But one church, three worshiping communities, one church. And I don't know about you, but increasingly so, I'm enjoying our combined worship services because it, it says something about who we are and the hope we have as one church of Jesus Christ. So, so welcome. Welcome to 2023. Uh, if you need a refill on coffee, we got lots of coffee brewing. And uh, because of the weather events last week, what a contrast, by the way. What in the world? <laughs> Blizzard, rain, anyway. Um, we have a lot of coffee, though. Um, we have a lot of coffee brewing, so uh, take advantage of that. It is good to be together. Um, oh, that was what I was going to say. Uh, because we didn't have Christmas services, which was, it was so disappointing not to be together um, for the Christmas Eve candlelight service, for the Christmas morning, and hallelujah chorus, um, that was a hard decision to make, and I hope you understand that. Uh, but, but with that, we have a lot of extra cookies and chocolate milk and hot cocoa, and uh, so take advantage of that after the service as well. Um, this morning, we are beginning a new year, um, but if you, if, as you know, we've been in the middle of a series from this fall called The Story. We've been working through the grand narrative of Scripture and human history, and this Advent, we kind of took a pause and we looked at the prophet's words that, that foretold of a coming Messiah, that, the, that Jesus, the King, the Messiah, would come to earth, and with that, we also looked at uh, uh, anticipating Christ's return and revelation. We had Isaiah and Revelation. And so today, it seemed fitting to kind of carry that theme through and look at some more of what the prophets say and also what the book of Revelation says specifically about that time we're anticipating when Jesus Christ, the King, will come again. And so I'd invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, to open your Bibles to Revelation 21. If you don't have a physical Bible, I think they got these apps. No one's going to judge you for looking at your phone. you just be like, yep, I'm on my Bible. Uh, but turn, turn or open uh, to Revelation 21. We're going to be reading selections of Revelation. And uh, there we go. What you'll notice is Revelation 21 and 23, excuse me, 21 and 22, are split up into three different sections. We're going to be reading the beginning of each of those sections because each of these visions that St. John receives in the book of Revelation tell us something about the kingdom that is to come. There's a lot we don't know, but this vision begins to tell us a little bit about the kingdom that is to come. A new heaven, a new earth, then we'll look at the new Jerusalem and the bride, the church, and then a new garden of Eden in Revelation 22. We are going to read selections of each of those. And if you're willing and if you're able, I'd invite you to just stand as we recognize that at this time we are going to be hearing God's word. And so we represent and we give a little bit of honor uh, to the Lord as we read from God's word this morning. Let's begin. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then we just jump ahead a few verses to verse 9 in Revelation 21, and we begin to, to see this picture of the new Jerusalem. Let's, let's listen. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, again, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. John goes on to describe what he sees, the description of this holy city, and then he receives another vision about this city in chapter 22. Let's read. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So a river flowing down the streets of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you by your spirit. You gave John this vision of heaven, this vision of the kingdom that is to come. Lord, as we consider this vision. Spirit, may you speak into our hearts and our minds and our imaginations even to, to wonder at what this kingdom that is to come might be like. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A uh, couple of notes. There is no kids' ministry, so I didn't miss anything, if you were wondering. We have nursery. The other note is, it's kind of my first time or second or third time using this clicker, so bear with me. Okay, I kind of I gave away my first slide. Don't worry, it's not that big of a deal. Quick question, quick question. How many of you like surprises? How many of you like surprises? Raise them tall and proud. How many of you are like the guy on the right and you don't like surprises? Like, like no thank you, don't do that, right? Now, there's a couple different, I was kind of thinking about surprises on a couple different levels. There's that kind of initial level, which I was thinking about just, you just don't like being surprised. Like, you don't like when your spouse is hiding in a corner and then jumps out, you know, and you jump and you spill your coffee or whatever. Like, no one likes spilling their coffee. But you don't like surprises like that. How many of you don't like surprises like that? Yeah, most of us don't. Uh, my son, Bryson, he's five. Um, we, I took him trick-or-treating and one of our neighbors had a haunted house. I found out my, my son does not like surprises in that way. We're walking through this haunted house. The whole time, he's very politely saying, uh, can you please not scare me? <laughs> can you please not scare me? Like the whole time, he just keeps requesting. Bryson doesn't like that kind of surprise. 
There's another level of surprise, which I think we typically think of the pictures kind of represent the surprise birthday party. How many of you want a surprise birthday party? Some of you, like, how many of you don't want a surprise birthday party? How many of you just are too afraid to admit you want a birthday? Yeah, okay. Um, if you have a significant other, you should know where they're raising their hand, okay? And, uh, but anyway, some of you like it, some of you don't. It's like, ah, uh, no thank you, right? Now, now, there's another level of surprise that I've seen and I've heard about, and that's the surprise vacation. Okay. Now, certainly most commonly, this is like kids and like surprising them with a trip to Disney, and that's totally cool. Like, do that. The kids can go with it. Um, but I, but I've, also, I've also heard of, or, or you could surprise your kids and grandkids with a trip that's coming sometime in the future. That's a beautiful thing, too. But I've heard stories of people like, honey, get in the car. We're leaving in five minutes. That kind of surprise vacation, like, just get in the car and we're going. How many of you would have some kind of trouble with that? Yeah. And, and why is that? Well, there's, there's way too many variables, right? Where are we going? What's the climate like? Like, is this snow? Is this beach? Like, there's too many variables to consider. Like, I don't even know how to pack. And, and for many of you, you're like, I'm certainly not letting my husband pack for me. Like, that is not happening, right? But there's all these variables. And, 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 and the reason is, at the heart of it is, we need to know where we're going in order to plan for the journey. And I think that is where we get at the heart of this vision of our good future that we receive in the book of Revelation. Because when we know where we're going, we know how to prepare for the journey. You see, the destination informs the journey. Now, we get to the heart of this, we get into the heart of this, why it's important to consider these chapters of Revelation, because these are God's vision to St. John of a vision of the kingdom. This morning, we read three uh, of those visions, really one vision, but kind of three images within that one vision. What we want to do this morning is just consider each of them, consider what they tell us about the kingdom that is to come when Jesus Christ returns, and how they inform how we live today. Let's begin with Revelation 21 uh, verses 1 through 8. Uh, titled in our modern text, if you have your Bibles open, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, one of the things that's really important to remember, especially when we're reading the book of Revelation, is that the book of Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's filled with imagery and symbolism. But what's important to recognize is they're not unique or original to John's experience. So often, what John is seeing in his vision is imagery and symbolism that's picking up on what has been told before. In other words, the Hebrew prophets. And so there's all of these echoes in John's visions from the prophecies of the Old Testament. And so when we get to Revelation 21 and 22, these are not visions that are something completely brand new, but they're picking up on what God has already said through the prophets. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So instead, John's visions are, are, are this, this tapestry of Hebrew Old Testament prophecy, but woven in with this new revelation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, right? 
And so it's this, beautifully ta- this beautiful tapestry. And, and knowing this and understanding this is really going to bring new life to these visions that oftentimes are kind of strange and kind of peculiar in many ways. And so let's look at the imagery promised, uh, the, the biblical promises found in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. This one's actually pretty simple because John is actually quoting from the prophet Isaiah. He quotes from Isaiah 65 and 25. And, and let's read together, uh, not together, I'm going to read, you don't have to read with me, but Isaiah 65, and you'll listen to what the echoes that we just heard. The prophet Isaiah says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The same language from St. John's vision. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. And here, the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. God gave Isaiah a vision of this new heaven and a new earth centuries before he gave the same to John. Let's go to Isaiah 25. Again, on this mountain, Uh, He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people and the sheet that covers all nations. Verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. What John receives is a vision in Revelation 21 where God states, I am making everything new. And what does that mean? He says, he says, quite so, that the old order of things has passed away. Sin, death, tears uh, have all passed away. Verse 8, we didn't read this, but there's a list of those who will not be part of the kingdom. Um, unbelieving, vile, murderers, idolaters, liars, to name a few. And you read that, it's like, oh man, that's not as uplifting. Um, but the point is not to name all those who are excluded from the kingdom, but instead to recognize that sin... And certain behaviors that cause harm to others will not be part of the kingdom. So these things, these behaviors, these sins that cause destruction, tears, and death cannot be part of the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, there is no tears, there is no mourning, there is no death. The old order of things, as John says, have passed away. Now, how many of us want to be part of a kingdom like that? Absolutely, amen. It is a beautiful vision But what does it tell us about the kingdom that is to come? What does this vision actually help us understand? Well, I think it actually helps correct a few misconceptions that are often held about what we call heaven. In fact, that word heaven uh, is is in many ways a little incomplete from this vision. Here's the, the modern misconception that this kind of begins to correct. Many imagine heaven as this kind of spiritual realm out there someplace. God lives there with the angels, we'll go there when we die, and there's some truth in that. But the misconception of that is this, that one day Christ will return and and we'll all be kind of brought up into heaven and the whole earth will be burned up and destroyed and annihilated, right? But that is not the vision that John receives in Revelation 21. Instead, John receives a vision of of, of a new heaven and a new earth, one that's much more in line with the prophecies of the Old Testament. Let's look quickly at this word new heaven, new earth. What is this word new? Uh, In the Greek, the word for new in Revelation 21, the same word gets repeated multiple times, is the word kainos. Um, You want to say that with me? Kainos? Oh, here goes the pastor making me say Greek, right? Kainos 
And it's a word that, that's defined fresh or, or new, uh, but think, think like new or new again or renewed. That word also carries this kind of meaning. And really, this lines up with, with what Jesus speaks of, his own return in Matthew 19, 28. And Jesus speaks of his own return in Matthew 19, calling it the renewal of all things. Now, that's a different word, but it really picks up on the same thing. It's a compound word from palin, which means again, and genesis, you see that in palagenesia, uh, birth or beginning. So a new birth, beginning, a regeneration, a new beginning, a renewal of all things. What John is saying here is that a new heaven and a new earth is not a brand new start over from scratch project, but it is a restoration project. Think of it this way. How many of you have ever renovated a house? Right? That's a lot of work, right? Other, it's different than building a new house, right? And so what, what John, think of it this way. It's, it's not building a new house from scratch. It's more like a renovation project of the earth like a complete gut job, if you will, right? Imagine this old, decrepit house that's been restored but totally renovated and made to look like new. The character of that old house still remains. The structure, the framework, right, it remains, but inside it looks completely brand new. Now, all of these illustrations eventually break down, so don't take it too far. But the earth is not going to be annihilated, destroyed, but rather cleansed and renewed. And the image we get is of with fire, because fire is a cleansing, a renewing, like a refiner's fire, right? Notice the next image, though, is a new Jerusalem. And what's happening? The new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven from God. And so this vision is, heaven is not simply some place we go when we die. Scripture tells us that when Christ returns, heaven is coming down to earth, the kingdom of God here on earth earth and everything will be made new. Now, we're going to get to it in a little bit, but this understanding is especially important as we consider how we live today. But before we get there, let's look at the next image together. You with me still? Okay, I gotta go. I'm like, maybe they're not. Okay. New Jerusalem, a holy city, Revelation 21, verses 9 through 27. Now here we're going to skip over a bunch of details that describe the city, the 12 gates and different uh, crystals and jewels or gemstones that are part of that. Um, important to recognize that a lot of this imagery is not necessarily to be taken literal as literal descriptions, but again, these, these details point to something greater and more significant and a deeper truth. But what we read in Revelation 21, 9 through 11 gives us this, this imagery that's drawing from Hebrew prophecy. It points to us to something significant, that the kingdom is coming to earth. Let's look at the biblical promises uh, of a new Jerusalem and a holy, the holy city of Jerusalem. It's a theme found regularly in the prophets. If you remember, the prophets, many of them are written during the time of exile. And so they're away from Jerusalem. And so this is a huge hope to return to Jerusalem and to see the city of Jerusalem restored and the temple rebuilt. Um, but the prophets begin saying that there's going to be a day of the Lord when things will be made new, right? The, the clearest of those, there's prophecies in Isaiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, all to touch on all of them. Uh, we're not going to have time to, but Isaiah 2 is a prominent one. Isaiah 2 says this, in the last days, right? So the days, the, the, the time to come, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. That's referring to a mountain with the temple is is Jerusalem, right? 
Um, it will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, right? And so the vision is that God will establish a new heavenly city in Jerusalem, right? And all nations will stream to it. It's this beautiful vision in the book of Isaiah. In fact, that vision continues to say that weapons of war are going to be fashioned into farm equipment, right? Because there's not going to be any more wars. I mean, it's a beautiful vision in the prophet Isaiah. And, and St. John is really building off and receiving a vision that builds off this vision of the prophet Isaiah. Now, the city of Jerusalem and the most prominent thing in the city is, is the temple, right? And the temple was what? The, the dwelling place of God. That was the significant reality, and that's really the significant reality we can glean, I think, from this vision. In the coming kingdom, the presence of God will dwell with his people fully and perfectly. Uh, the, the Christmas hope of Emmanuel, God with us, fully realized in the kingdom that is to come. What does this tell us about the good future, our good future and God's promises? It is all about God's presence. Revelation 21 verses 9 through 27, the holy city, Jerusalem, comes down from heaven, the mountain of the Lord. It's a city. It's a place where people live from all nations. It's a beautiful vision. But here's the interesting detail we're given in Revelation 21 verse 22. If you have your Bibles open, this is what we read. John says, but I did not see a temple in the city. So here's a new Jerusalem, but there's no temple. Why wouldn't there be a temple? Well, he goes on to tell us, because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So in the kingdom, God needs no temple because his presence is perfectly and completely present with his people. Instead, one of the details we're given in those verses that we didn't read are some of the dimensions of the city. And one of the interesting things is the dimensions of the city. It's, it's a perfect cube. And you're like, well, that's kind of strange. Who builds a city that's the same length, depth, and height. Like, that's a very weird, you know what the dimensions of the Holy of Holies in the temple are? It's a perfect cube. And so this city is like the Holy of Holies as described in 1 Kings 6 where Solomon builds the temple. We were just there a few weeks ago, right? Pretty cool. In fact, another little cool side note is, is the Greek word for dwell in this passage in Revelation 22, 21 and 22 is the same word for, for tent or tabernacle. So again, God's presence tabernacles, dwells with his people. And finally then, John sees this holy city, a new Jerusalem. And how is this city prepared? It's prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, right? So John describes the church of Jesus Christ, not the building, but us as the people of God, as the bride of Christ. This tells us something about uh, the relationship of this indwelling, right? Uh, in other words, this is, this is not like God putting up with us, right? Like, like we are his annoying roommate that he's kind of like, okay, just keep to yourself. No, 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 no. The vision uh, is, is, is of the closest, most intimate human relationship here on earth, a marriage. The church is the bride of Christ, that there is an intimacy and a love that is realized in the kingdom when Christ comes again. Again, what does this tell us? How does this inform our living today? We'll get there in a bit, but real quick, one last vision. One last vision, the new Garden of Eden. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, 
uh, we read, and, and just to recap what some of what we read, we read of, of a river of life with fruit-bearing trees. One of those trees is called the tree of life. Any of those things sound familiar? This is imagery taken directly from Genesis 2 in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, it's described with, with streams uh, flowing through them in verse 6. At the center of the garden, we're told in Genesis 2 that there is a tree of life. It's right next to that, that other tree. You know what I'm talking about, right? The tree of life. But this imagery of the Garden of Eden is actually imagery that's, that's echoed throughout the Old Testament prophets in the building of the tabernacle and temple. But, but most explicitly, there's this vision that we get here in Revelation 22 that that really resonates and is an echo of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel has this incredible vision in chapter 47 of the temple in Jerusalem. And he sees this, this vision of the temple, and, and from the temple in Jerusalem, there's this river of life that's flowing, this water, this living water. And he begins walking along the river. And he's walking along, and, and the water continually gets deeper. And so we're told this water is there's more and more water. It's getting deeper and deeper. Now listen to what he sees when he gets to the banks of the river. We read, when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. If you have Revelation 22 open, notice the parallels. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows from there and makes the salt water fresh. Where the river flows, everything will live. Have you ever been to the Dead Sea? Anyone been to the Dead Sea? It is dead. There is nothing living, but the, this river of life will flow and make even the dead sea burst with life. Wow, what an incredible vision. Verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And you catch all of these echoes in this vision John receives of, of Revelation 22. John is, is picking up the same vision that Ezekiel received centuries prior, a river of life flowing from the temple in Jerusalem, a sign of abundance and life, food and water growing freely, abundantly in this garden city, God's people lacking nothing, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. Again, who wants to be part of that kingdom? <laughs> going to raise your hand. No, you don't have to raise your hand. Quickly, once again, let's consider what this tells us about the life that is to come. Heaven on earth. What does this tell us about God's good future? It is a future of abundance. It's in a future of, of even activity. Again, this kind of pushes against some of the modern misconceptions we have of what we call or think of heaven. Kind of pushes against it. Often we, we envision heaven as kind of uh, the American dream on steroids, anyone? Um, we think of heaven as, as leisure and excess to the max. What is heaven going to be like? Well, whatever you want it to be like. You know, like that's kind of the, the tone sometimes of heaven. Um, in, a, in a way, heaven is kind of viewed as like a sandals resort, right? Sandals is a great place, okay? Vanderbeans, yes, okay, you know that connection. I've never been there, but it sounds lovely, right? It sounds amazing. But we, we, sometimes the misconception is we view heaven as kind of like a, a sandals resort, laying around, uh, drinking whatever, and eating steak <laughs> and lobster, right, till you're just full. 
And like, is that what heaven's going to be like? Um, whatever your version of a sandals resort is. I don't really know, but, but I think this vision of John offers something different than just a, a perpetual sandals vacation. The first thing, notice the garden speaks specifically of fruit trees and water. It's not speaking of the fattened calf, which would be like the lavish feast in that time, or flowing wine, right? No, fruit trees and water. The kingdom is a place of abundance, but not necessarily lavish excess. And certainly not waste. I think I can say that confidently. Now, yes, Jesus also uses imagery of a banquet feast, so there's going to be a lot of eating. Isaiah 25 actually talks about wine. Um, so it's not like all or nothing, but there, whatever that line is between abundance and excess, I don't exactly know what that is, but I think it's somewhere between we, we have our fill, we're full, but we're not to the point where we're, we're making ourselves sick, gorging ourselves on, on these delicacies, right? I don't know what that line is. There's a lot we don't know. Abundance, but not excess. The other thing I think this vision pushes against is, is notice the crop is a fruit growing in trees. How do you, gotta, how do you eat fruit? Someone's got to pick the fruit, right? Someone's got to harvest the fruit. We read, no longer will there be any curse. What that means is no longer will we have to fight and battle the earth to grow crops. It'll be growing on trees freely for us to take. But we still need to take the fruit, right? No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. His servants will serve him. We are called in the kingdom servants of God who will serve God. You see, sandals or vacations, whatever, whatever they are, eventually get boring. So I've heard. I don't know if I've ever been on a vacation long enough for it to get too boring, um, but I'm open to... Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But I think vacation eventually gets boring. It gets old because God has designed us for purpose. Like, he has wired us to have a purpose. And, and, and I hear, again, not my experience, but even in retirement, from what I hear, you have to find a new purpose and new things to do. For some, it's investing in my grandkids. For others, it's finding volunteer work. But it requires finding purpose. Again, I'm not sure what that means for us. There's a lot I don't know, and I'll be the first to admit it, about the kingdom of God, but it seems that even in the kingdom that is to come, there will be tasks, maybe work of some sort. It will not be a perpetual nap or vacation, okay? There seems to be more going on. Maybe it's picking fruit. Maybe it's preparing a meal. Whatever it is, what I do know is it'll be all around and centered around serving God and serving the Lamb who is our Lord and our Master. Amen? So a recap. Revelation 21-22 gives us some imagery that tells us something about the life that is to come, uh, a.k.a. heaven on earth. What's old has been made new or renewed, and this will come in the form of a city, and at the center of that city is, seems to be a garden, a river with tr fruit trees growing on its side. And so to sum it up, a new or renewed garden city. There you go. There's the recap. Again, a little disclaimer. There is, a, there is way more about the kingdom of God that none of us can even imagine than we can describe here. So I'm not trying to give some sort of exhaustive description of the kingdom of God. I think that's on purpose because I, th I think we can't fully grasp the kingdom to come. And so this, these visions, these apocalyptic visions, oh, just give us a glimpse of what 
that kingdom will be because whatever we imagine it to be, it's going to be way better and more glorious and awesome than we can imagine. Again, amen. We just need to say that. But here's the question for us today. God in God's wisdom and grace gave John and us, therefore, a vision of this good future, revealing some things so that they won't be a surprise or a mystery. And so what do the things that God reveals through, the, the, through St. John mean for us living in this time today? In other words, how does God's good future shape and inform our present? But what I believe is it, it greatly informs our present. Think about this. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in this kingdom. So put it simply, we, we live into this kingdom vision today. We live into this good future in our everyday life and interactions with others. This future is what defines our present. It is what shapes our present. In the Gospels, Jesus teaches his disciples and us to pray. This is from the book of Matthew. And you're familiar with this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Jesus taught his disciples, taught us to pray regularly that our experience here on earth would be made like what it is in heaven. We pray that, the, that God, the kingdom of God, would break into our reality here on earth every day. Now what we know and, and believe is that only God can bring forth God's kingdom, amen? But it is something God calls us to participate in. So when we pray for the kingdom of God to come, we then also step in, in faith, following the Spirit's lead to be his participants and ambassadors of that kingdom. And, and the, the beautiful, mysterious thing is many of us are positioned well, fairly well, to actively participate in this kingdom coming to earth, God's work, God's Spirit's work. We, we follow the Spirit's lead to bring glimpses of heaven uh, here on earth. When we worship, when we serve, there's a glimpse of heaven that breaks into our reality here on earth. Some examples. What does it look like for, for, for king, the kingdom of God to break into the earth? How does this present shape and inform our, or how does the future shape and inform our present? Some examples. Think about a new heaven and a new earth, that, that heaven is not some place that, that we're going to be, you know, swiped away or swooped away out, out into the spirit realm, but know that heaven is coming to earth, and so when we understand that, that heaven is coming to earth, it, it shapes how we live and how we see God's good creation. We should value creation. We should spend times outdoors. We should see God in the creation. We should enjoy God's handiwork and work hard to preserve and care for it. As my kids learned in preschool, we are, we are to be earth keepers, right? Because God's earth and creation is good. We should be those who work toward the common good in our cities, making sure others' basic needs are cared for. And in that, we live with an abundance mindset that the kingdom of God is, is a place of abundance, right? Not scarcity, 
And so we live with that abundant mindset that there's plenty in the kingdom, so there's, there's no need to fight and hoard over this limited supply of resources. No, God is the giver of all good things. And so we can live with hands wide open, generously giving to those in need and sharing with others, right? And not only that, but, but no matter what God has called you to in this season, whether it's a season of work or school or even retirement, to see that as an opportunity to serve God in all that you do. But here's the greatest, the greatest grace in this new garden city. You know what that is? Heaven coming to earth. It's, it's that vision of God's presence. That in the kingdom that is to come, there will be no more barriers. There will no, be no more sin or death that separates us, that is barrier. no. In Christ Jesus, the kingdom will come and we will have access to God's presence in perfection. That is the most beautiful, important thing about the kingdom of God, that we will dwell with God in perfect unity. Amen? But here's the thing. Do you realize that in Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God, we have that same access to Jesus Christ, to God the Father, through Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. That reality of God's presence dwelling with his people is a reality we experience today, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ dwells in the hearts and lives of God's people. And so this greatest gift that defines the kingdom of God is a, is a gift that we get to experience even today. Talk about streams of living water shooting out of a dry desert. The fact that we have communion and union with Christ today is the greatest gift that we have and it's the greatest gift we can offer anyone else. And so my encouragement for us as the church is we think ahead to this coming year. What does it look like for us in the moment to lean into this reality that, that we can spend time with the creator of the heavens and the earth each and every day? that we can lean in and that we can spend time with the bride of Christ every Sunday morning to be in God's presence together as God's people, no matter where you gather, on this side of the parking lot or that side of the parking lot. We get to gather with God's people. It's a beautiful vision. And as we think about God's calling us to, 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 be, to usher in the kingdom of God, to follow the Spirit's lead, to bring justice and all of these good gifts of the kingdom, there is no better gift of the kingdom that we can bring than the king himself. Amen? So what does it look like for us as Christ Church here in Holland, Michigan, to be those who are ambassadors of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? To share with our neighbors, to take opportunities to, to represent in action, but also to share with word the good news. That is, God loves us so much, he stepped into this broken world to die on a cross so that we might have this gift of life with Jesus Christ now and for all eternity. Let's pray and ask the Spirit to liven our imagination how we might do that together. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we, we considered a lot of passages this morning. And Lord, all of these words of your scriptures, as we've been learning in this series, the story, it's, it's a unified story that leads us to Jesus. 
And so, Lord, in, in our study and our reading and our considering of, of these visions, these prophecies, considering the realities of the kingdom that is to come, Lord, above all, Lord, may you lead and draw our hearts to yourself. Lord, in this coming year, we, we pray for, for more moments where your kingdom, your presence breaks into our reality. Lord, if, if we're looking ahead to the year ahead and, and we see uncertainty and, and our hearts begin to, to feel overwhelmed just at the thought of the unknowns that are ahead, Lord, may we look to you and Holy Spirit, may you break in to bring us a word of hope comes from knowing that, that you hold our future, and even more importantly, Lord, you hold us in the palm of your hand. And Lord, not only may you do that work within us, but Lord, may you inspire us how we might be participants in this kingdom to share the good news that Jesus Christ has come and that Jesus Christ will come again. We thank you for this good news. We pray it all in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've got another song for our morning, so we just invite you to stand together as we sing this out. You might have heard this before, maybe on the radio, um, but it might not be familiar to you, but just listen along, and as you feel led, uh, we encourage you just to sing with us as you get it. This is called Hymn of Heaven. How I long to breathe the air of heaven. The pain is gone and mercy fills the streets. To look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity.
join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations we do know is it's secure. It, it, it cannot be taken away. And so whatever we face in the year to come, what we do know that our Lord holds us in the palm of his hand. And no matter what we face, that gives us great hope, that gives us great courage, and that gives us great confidence to follow wherever God might be leading us in this coming year. That is good news, Amen. As you go from here, uh, receive God's blessing, but stick around. Uh, meet some new faces, maybe from different worshiping communities. There's something beautiful about the fact that, that Heart Awake Ministries is gathered in one place this Sunday morning. Also, if you get a chance to pick up a few chairs, you know the drill, watershed, tell us what to do. I don't know, right? We want to help. And there's a lot of cookie, co coffee, hot chocolate, chocolate milk, all those things. If your kids haven't gotten enough sugar already, they will. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. And God's people say, amen. amen.